We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, this is James Ham. And before we get started with the King's Beat podcast, let me take a quick moment to talk about our sponsor for this episode, Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the easiest way to play daily fantasy games while watching your favorite leagues, including the NBA. It's just you versus the numbers. They've got a special offer available for new users who are also King's Beat listeners. Just enter the promo code King's Beat, all one word, when you sign up for an account and get a deposit match worth up to $100. Playing with prize picks is simple. Create your entry by picking two to six players and their corresponding statistical categories. Prize picks has a wide variety of stats to choose from, and you can mix and match. Then decide whether your player will finish with more or less than the prize picks projections. Make your entry either a flex play or a power play, power play you have greater payouts but you also must get all of your picks correct to win flex plays on the other hand are a safer choice you still win even if one or two of your picks don't pan out for example an entry can look like this tonight i'm taking harrison barnes to make more than three and a half threes Demonis sabonis to take less than 5.5 free throws and De'Aaron fox to finish with more than 6.5 assists Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. It's available to play for anyone 19 and up in 27 states, including California. Get in on the action today. Once again, sign up for an account using the promo code KINGSBEAT to get a deposit match up to $100. We've included a link in the show notes, or you can download the Prize Pick app on your Apple or Android device. Thank you again to Prize Picks for their support of the King's Beat. Now let's get started with the podcast. He turns, he fires for the win. He's got the bucket at the buzzer. Right back to Bibby, has the open shot. Ladies and gentlemen, up on those feet, put those hands together. And we'll meet tonight starting five for your Sacramento. Welcome to the King's Beat Podcast. I am James Ham, King's Insider for ESPN 1320 and the King's Beat. Joining me today, Box 40, Sean Cunningham. Sean, how are you? 
James, Brendan, listener, hello. How are you? I'm well. Raining again. I don't like it. It's spring, right? We should stop all this nonsense. It's hopefully uh, the dry the dry sunshine is on the horizon. But I'm doing good. How are you guys? I think I'm good. I'm good. Uh, and, of course, we're joined by Brendan Nunes from the King's Pulse podcast. Brendan, how are you? I'm doing good. Nothing special to report. Another day in the life, I guess. Get to talk to you two. But I don't like your... be anywhere else. I don't like the upside down giants hat. Explain what that is. It just—I don't know. I went on a little like hat kick recently and decided I need a couple new hats, so I got some new ones. I don't think that it's meant to be a jab at the giants at all. So you saw know. that and you're like, "That speaks to me. I'm wearing that." I saw it online and I liked it. Yep. Okay. I'm pretty sure KC has a couple upside down logo hats. It's just a thing. It's just a. Who thing. are we talking about? Oh, uh, Kenny Caraway. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't Maybe. really like. I'll, I'll wear whatever when it comes to baseball logos. So, gotcha. I, I will. I, actually, I don't wear a lot of team stuff. Um, I have my, uh, you know, my crazy beer hats. Like the, <laughs> yeah, you know, I wear my um, Paps Blue Ribbon hat all the time, and I think I have a Natty Boy hat. Um, anyway, yeah. Hey, Sean, all he wears is Hurley hats. How many of those well, do you have, Sean? Uh, enough. Um, and, so, <laughs> and it's not a competition. I will say, like I was mentioning, I was like, if anyone's ever seen The Last Castle, which uh, Brendan has not, but, you know, on the upside down flag, I think it was a sign of anarchy. Uh, and it takes place in a prison and they raise the, the flag and it's upside down. It's a interesting movie. Robert so Redford, he wants Redford. anarchy for the San Francisco Giants. I think that's what he, yeah. and he might have it because this team's probably not going to be very good this year. But I know this is a. Uh, the Kings beat, not the Giants beat. So, <laughs> yeah, not that that's stopped us before. No, we talk about whatever we want, Sean. We do what yeah. we want. It's we do what we want. Show. We get five minutes of free talk every <laughs> <That's> episode. <laughs> every episode. Uh, okay, let's get to the business stuff. If you are watching on YouTube and you don't mind, could you give us a thumbs up? Uh, if you're not a subscriber here to the Kings Beat YouTube channel, then you might as well do that too. Um, and then, uh, we have tomorrow is off the record with the Kings beat virtual how happy hour part 12. Um, what do we say? National voice, national voice, yeah. national voice with the, the great Sam Amick. I think great. it's going to be a great conversation. Yes. You always say that. Yes. It is the great Sam Amick. I don't call um, great. Well, I, I'm excited to have Sam on because again, Sam was, uh, the beat writer the last time the Kings made the playoffs. And uh, so he's watched this thing, uh, like, unwind uh, and then, like, somehow find its way again. Uh, And uh, I think it'll be a great conversation. If you haven't been to a happy hour before, they're an absolute blast. We just, like, hang out and BS for, like, I don't know, hour and a half, two hours. We take questions. We drink. uh, We tell crazy stories that we probably shouldn't. It's all off the record. We do not record them. You cannot watch them later. Uh, but they are like sort of the staple of the King's Beat. So super and fun. We're gonna get to the we're gonna get to the bottom of uh, bathroom etiquette. We're going to talk about the <laughs> oh, last time the Kings snappity. the last time the Kings made the playoffs, which uh, <laughs> I also was covering the team still. So uh, Sam and I can talk about our adventures on the Riverwalk. Oh. <laughs> there were a few. Oh, and uh, yeah, man, should be a fun time. Yeah, Why do we need to talk about bathroom etiquette. What's going on here? Oh, we do. We do. Oh. After after I learned what I learned, 
okay. it's going to be you discussed. You say so. I guess <laughs> people will find out. People will find out. Uh, okay, in order to get the uh, the link to the happy hour, you have to be a premium subscriber to the King's Beat. Uh, we are growing like crazy. Uh, last happy hour, we had 90-plus people in the Zoom call at all times. Uh, so that was wild, and that was with Aileen Boisson. Uh, I expect that many or more just because of the growth that we've we've had uh, over the last couple of months uh, as this thing is kind of you know taken off and the Kings continue to stack wins and get better and do all that stuff. Uh, so become a premium subscriber to the Kings Beat. Go to thekingsbeat.com. Um, or down below, if you're watching on YouTube, you can, uh, you can find your way there. Um, there's also other things down there. If you're interested in sponsoring the King Speed podcast, like, uh, we have with prize picks, um, you can do that as well. And there's also a link to the GoFundMe for my friends up here, uh, in, in the Lake of the Pines area that could use some assistance. Um, okay, let's get to, uh, let's get to the last two games. And the Sacramento Kings uh, rattle off three in a row on the road. They look like world beaters. They go into Utah. There's no Laurie Marketing. There's uh, there's no I don't know who else was missing. Um, Jordan, Jordan Clarkson, Clarkson. Colin Sexton, Colin, Colin Sexton, Sexton yeah. and uh, they kind of got thumped. What what were your initial thoughts, you guys, on uh, on what you saw from? from the Utah game and why the Kings look like they're stuck in mud. Well, my thoughts would be last game of a road trip. Um, look, a lot of this is just kind of catching up on them. That first game back was, was five and seven. And I know this team doesn't want to make excuses for being tired or, you know, losing legs or uh, just kind of coasting a little bit as they approach a couple days off and a practice day before they go into a, you know, the next three home games of the five remaining. Um, I, I, I'm not, I'm not shocked by any of those things of, of, of dropping either of those games. And I'm certainly not uh, concerned. I think uh, you look at the Utah game, I think they gave it all they had. Uh, Utah was a team that was kind of licking their chops and, and ready for them. And I think Boston was much of the same. So uh, it, it is fun. Cause it's eerily familiar to uh, Warriors fans in a way because uh, when you're looking at the social media uh, comments, which you should never do, but when you do and you start kind of gauging what people are saying on social media, the highs are highs and the lows are very lows. And it's like start – I mean, guys, they haven't won – they haven't lost three straight games since November. If they drop the game to Phoenix on Friday, uh, there's no cause for concern. And um, – uh, you know, I think they, I think they went into that road trip and played very, very well. I think they, uh, it, it ended in a way that was about what you might have expected, but um, that's okay because oftentimes we come to expect games like that, and more times than not, they're uh, kind of surprising us with the effort that they put forth, and oftentimes they end up winning a game that maybe they shouldn't. And I'm not saying that the Utah game was a game they shouldn't have won, um, but but so often we see games where the effort isn't there. The results aren't there, and sometimes they have a knack for just pulling it out. In those two games, they haven't been, and I think the Boston game was very, very, very familiar to the game we saw against Milwaukee, only with circumstances being fifth game in seven nights. And uh, while they won't make excuses, I will because I thought they looked dog ass tired. They Brandon? definitely did. Fifth game in seven nights, and in four different time zones. Like they, 
traveled everywhere nonstop. I had never heard of anything like five games in seven nights. I don't know about you guys um, would know better than me, but I thought that Utah game, like sometimes you just have a stinker of a quarter and I think they did an okay job of attempting to fight back. I think that once shots started to not fall, that a couple people were maybe trying to do a little bit too much and trying to make it all up. And then they really weren't able to slow down Utah on the other end, which was the more concerning thing to me. I think if you're able to get a few more stops, you can get out in transition where Sacramento really excels. But they were able to bring it back. I actually thought the second, third quarter specifically of De'Aaron Fox was some of the best basketball we've seen him play. And I, I guess maybe there's other days you can look at with different caliber of opponents, but he seemingly willed that team back into having a chance against Utah with some help from Harrison Barnes in that second quarter, help from Keegan Murray in that third quarter. But I think that Utah played better than I expected. And apparently Walker Kessler is the next great big in this league because he did a great job. He actually, I'm being a little over the top, obviously, but I was really impressed with the job he did on DeMontis Sabonis. Yeah, he's fun. And Sabonis usually dominates the, the big stick figure guys, but he's a little different like Walker Kessler. I mean, he was so good in college. What he averaged like six, six and a half blocks a game in college. I mean, he was absolutely crazy. Um, yeah. Like when we look at the Utah game, I, those things happen again. It was, it's one of those where you might've been looking ahead a little bit, uh, at the beginning of the season. Um, like I thought that, well, that's clearly a schedule loss. If we're looking at the, the Boston game the next day, just because of all the time zone changes and the, the travel. I think it's interesting that this team doesn't like, they want no part of the discussion that they had played five games in seven nights. And so, um, again, I, I thought Utah, they just fell flat and that happens sometimes. And they're, they're exhausted. We're late in the season. They're missing Kevin Herter. Uh, like everything just kind of lined up to lose. Uh, and, and that happens. And then, like, when you guys uh, when were watching the Boston game last night, like, I thought through the first, like, 22 minutes, 23 minutes and, like, 30 seconds, I thought it was pretty good basketball. And then I thought I thought the officiating was horrible. And then the officiating got even worse in that, like, final 30 seconds of the second quarter where they called four fouls on the Kings. And it just felt like the entire night, like there was no rhythm to the game because the officials were weird. And I'm not going to put the loss on the officials because I think that Celtics are a better team. They were also well-rested. The Kings were not. They were, again, the fifth game in seven days. Uh, and they just flown in from Utah where Boston had been hanging out for two days. And I don't know where they're hanging out, but uh, they had plenty of time to like relax and get ready. What Brennan, was it you that asked me about why did the NBA schedule it that way? Why didn't because Boston didn't play the next day? Why didn't they just push it back? I think it was Frank that pointed that out. Yeah, why couldn't have the game been today? Yeah, that's an interesting question. I, to be honest, I don't think the outcome would have been different. Um, and and for the Kings at this point, I kind of look at Friday's game as like one of the biggest games that they've had in like you know a decade and a half, and they need to come out and like be really focused. So I'd almost rather have them lose against you know the celtics on on a wednesday take two days off or on a what day is it on a tuesday and then take two days off and then and then have that time to prepare for the suns 
Um, so I, like, again, I, they don't want to make the excuse like Sean said, but it's just sitting there. They're, like they're, those guys were exhausted. They had no legs. They missed all of their three point shots in the early fourth quarter. Like they had no way to come back in the game because they were too tired. And there's no shame in that. But I also like that this team doesn't want to make excuses about things. Yeah, it's refreshing. Um, to your point about, you know, just the way they played, first of all, they were in a frenetic pace. Uh, I mean, scoring was just abundant. There wasn't much defense for either team throughout through the first quarter, really. Um, I thought, I agree with you, James, in the second quarter, I thought is where officiating got a little, got a little out of hand. Some questionable call, calls and some rather ticky-tack things. But um, Dude, it was 16 kinda, seconds into the game they called Kessler Edwards for a foul that didn't look like a foul. I mean, it looked like a foul to me. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, yeah. I mean, it was, uh, I've gone back and watched it again last night. Um, wanted to particularly look at the second and third quarters again. And the, the, the third quarter to me is just where this team came out of halftime and they just had nothing and they just kind of got curb stomped. Um, they, they made it. I thought they were fortunate to make it as close because this thing was heading to over 20 point deficit heading into the fourth and I thought that they did a nice job of making it a 15 point game heading into the fourth and uh they just but they just came out with nothing they just they didn't have anything so it's fine um and again I don't feel as strongly about the Celtics as I do the Bucks where you know they could probably play eight times out of ten and they'd probably lose all but two of them um or they could play ten times and lose eight out of ten uh I I, I feel like the Celtics could be a little bit a, a matchup that I'd want to see a little bit more of. I just think that the Bucks they've got no answer for. Uh, I do feel also they made it. The, the Celtics made incredible adjustments throughout the game. I mean, Domas was such a you know he's been a force all year. Uh, I thought he was such a uh, the, I thought he was their best go to uh, player uh, throughout that first half, and then they threw a bunch of different looks at him. Kind of frustrated him, um, as he mentioned after the game. You know going small uh they they really made them uncomfortable i thought the kings and he pointed that out and the kings just did nothing to uh combat that and we were talking james we were, you and i were talking to malik monk afterwards and i think it was your question saying like how do you combat that type of experience with physicality and uh they i think have shown moments in the season where they can be a physical team uh that sometimes they like to show the ability to punch first although it's uh it doesn't always go that way um but they certainly don't wilt when when punched first more times than not and i just thought last night was just the recipe was right and they they just they showed nothing and i thought um you know malik who really didn't have much of a good game at all and it was no. one of those ones where i even point out to you it's like you know this is what i'm talking about where when he's a, a zero factor uh, this team just looks lost and just doesn't look like themselves and really have to battle to win games. And that fourth quarter, you know, he stepped it up. I mean, he he was their defense in the fourth quarter. Uh, Might have been a little bit of hollow minutes at, at one point, but uh, he he tried tried his tried to bring them back. Uh, but he was really the only one there that had any spark to him. Uh, he made pretty much every play on defense. Two steals, I believe it was. He had a block. Uh, they just couldn't convert on the other end. I thought the Celtics did a really brilliant job. I mean, you saw that moment where it's Keegan Murray, and uh, rather than dump off, he goes up for that lay-in. I think it was him and Barnes, if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken, and he misses that layup. Um, they just, you know, it, it just happens. They just didn't have it. I mean, so many of the misses were 
off the front of the rim. Terrence Davis airballs a three. I mean, uh, offensively, they just didn't look like themselves either. So uh, kudos to the Celtics. They were kind of lying in wait. Um, one of those schedule schedule uh, wins for sure. And you, you move on. I think they're going to really benefit from this two days off of practice uh, and then some home cooking. So I think, uh, you know, if you can get Kevin Herter right, you know, you'll be right where you want to be. I think we've said it a couple times. I, to me, since the New York game, it feels like physicality has been such a theme for this team. And they've been on both sides of it, you know, and a lot of physicality is is effort and just tiring. And I think, that again, that five and seven absolutely factors in. And also Boston has a deep team. You know, I, I think that, yes, they have been struggling post-All-Star break, but they just got Robert Williams back. And he did get in some foul trouble there. But I think just the size difference that Sacramento was was up against stood out so much to me. Like there's a time where the lineup is Malcolm Brogdon, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Al Horford, and Robert Williams. And Sacramento is rolling out De'Aaron Fox, Malik Monk, Terrence Davis, Keegan Murray, DeMontis Sabonis. Like Jason Tatum is as tall as DeMontis Sabonis. The Celtics have three players out there as tall as Sacramento's center. And I think that that size difference really factored in there and just being able to switch everything. They really were pressuring Domas when he had the ball, you know, it's not to take away his threat of a mid range or anything like that, but just so he can't freely play make. And I think that the Celtics did a good job in that. I I will say the one guy that, that popped to me defensively for Sacramento was, was Davion Mitchell. I I thought that he did a great job covering (laughs) But covering up, I feel like to that extent is new. Like covering what Jalen Brown six six, I think he's listed at, um, and Davion is listed at six two. I don't know that he's actually six two. No. Yeah, being able to guard up like that, I thought was really impressive for for Davion. Coach spoke pretty glowingly of him post game, and, and Davion had a good night shooting the ball as well. He had ten of his thirteen in that second quarter, and then kind of slowed down after the fact, but. If you had one more guy, like a if Kessler Edwards wasn't dealing with foul trouble, or if you know Harrison Barnes maybe gave you a little bit more, maybe it's it's more of a competition. But I thought the size difference between these two teams really stood out to me. Yeah, I'll also like Sean. You brought up Monk on the defensive end, and but on the offensive end, he was totally out of sync, and it it was to me it was a mess. And then we get to the fourth quarter. And I think we're all waiting like, okay, will De'Aaron Fox make a run here? Will he like try to get this thing close? And then he kept passing the ball to Malik. And I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what do you, like, that doesn't make any sense. Oh, what are you doing? he was passing it to everybody. I mean, he, he had uh, Davion, he had Keegan. I mean, Fox was He was the coming ball, up the court, though. He was coming up the court and flipping it to the other side and like taking the ball out of his own hands. Like, I think he only took four shots in the fourth. Like, if he's going to be that guy, he's got to – to me, it felt like one of the few games where yeah. he, he didn't actually play up in the fourth. And and it kind of dawned on me that, like, some of the times that we do see him kind of take a step back, it's when he's playing with Malik. And so sometimes they're fun and they're they're going up and down the court and they're doing all these crazy things and it's fun. But a lot of times he will give the ball to Malik and, like, go ahead and do your thing. And that just didn't feel like a game where, number one, Malik had it because he didn't, but also where Fox should have been acquiescing to someone else. And so, like, I I was just kind of surprised. It's really raining out of nowhere here. 
um, like really, really hard. So I don't know if it was raining a lot down where you guys are at, but it was kind of a quiet day and now it's not. Um, anyway, like I thought that this was one of those games where Fox, like you were hoping that Fox would become Fox and, and step up to the challenge, but everyone was exhausted. He was exhausted. Uh, he, he was really good from three early on. Everyone else lost their three point shot along the way. Um, and he, you could also tell he was really frustrated by the loss, um, which I think has more to do with the fact that like Jason Tatum and him know each other really well. And like he, you know, no one likes to lose two games in a row, but, uh, it just felt like Fox was a little, a little short, a little like angry with us after the game. Um, not that he was like out of sorts or anything. It just seemed like he wasn't himself after that one. I think he just wanted to get the hell out of there. He only yeah. took 11 shots on the game. Uh, you know, Malik was one of seven. It, you know, it's. Uh, I didn't think that Malik went gunning. You know, I think Fox was literally just, "Hey guys, let's get everyone going here." And you're right. What he didn't he didn't do the typical fourth quarter Fox as we've grown to expect. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know that we got to a point in the game where, like, it's usually not the entire fourth. I feel like I feel like it's the last like eight minutes, seven minutes, and by the time we hit six, it was like. Rashawn, Mezzi, let's let's get everybody out there. Um, so I, I think there's a little bit of that. And he said before that like size is one of the things that bothers him. And well, bothers the whole team, right? I mean, it just yeah, it takes them all out of out of sorts. This isn't a very long team, and when they go up against teams that are long as and ex, and experienced, and you can just look no further than Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. Those are three teams that kind of have some ownage on this team. Yeah. Okay, so we'll get to, uh, at this point, because it's Wednesday and not Tuesday, but we'll do uh, Wednesday overreactions. Um, I, I think that, that like hiding inside of the, uh, the fact that this team was exhausted and everything else was the fact that on uh, Monday the Jazz ran a zone against the Kings and the Kings had a bunch of problems. And then uh, when they, they faced the Celtics, the Celtics switched everything the entire game. And the Kings had problems. Like, are we seeing teams figure some of the things out that the Kings are doing? Or is it like Herder's absence is, is impacting this team pretty heavily? Or is it like just the exhaustion? Um, I guess, and, and how much do you think that they can grow through these struggles here? Because this is what teams are going to throw at them in the playoffs for sure. I would say let's... Uh... That's a, probably an overreaction. It certainly worked, and I think there are reasons as to what we've kind of pinpointed some um, some some maybe concerns and causes for that. But I think I'd like to see a little bit more. See what how the how the Kings re, uh, react to Utah on Saturday. Uh, you're going to see a different Phoenix team on Friday as well than you've seen just a few weeks ago. So I think that. Um, I think that seeing those two games will be a nice barometer to have something to compare to in these final two games that we've seen, and and really just going forward, how do they close out the how do they close out the the, the home stand? Uh, they obviously only have what ten games remaining, I believe. Yeah, um, nice little split of five and five. So um, it'll or I think I think it's yeah it's five and five. So it'll be nice to see how this thing wraps up. And again, even if they're stumbling into the postseason. I'm really not concerned. To me, I think the biggest hope is that you can go in healthy uh, because you're looking around, man. Look what just happened in L.A. with Paul George. 
just yesterday. Um, you know, you just saw Kyrie leave with a boot in Dallas uh, the other day. Uh, Luka Doncic just came back. He's going to go up against the Warriors tonight. But um, just the benefit of health is so important for any team as you go into the postseason. And there's a lot of teams that are that are scuffling right now. So uh, the Kings still have the benefit of health. I don't think it's as simple as teams figuring them out. And I think honestly. What, what what's the one constant that you've seen throughout this time? We talked about it. Five games and seven nights doesn't lead to much practice time. And Mike Brown being such the identifier of the little things, details, uh, he needs that, that moment again to kind of right the ship, so to speak. So uh, getting some of these guys back will be, will be a good thing. I still don't think Trey Lyles is right. Um, and I think he'll benefit from having a nice day off and a practice as well and uh, kind of take it from there. Yeah, the Kings need 30 good Popletuses going into the postseason. Wrong. Poplitus. Did I get it wrong? Popletus? Popletus. Popletus. Damn, Pop-lidious. I tried. I tried. <laughs> confidently in everything. I really thought I had that one. Um, uh, no, I mean, I think the Utah game, like, sometimes that just happens. To me, it's really that first quarter. And then I guess the, the closing moments, they could have done better defensively. And then Boston... Maybe like Boston, I, I see them in Milwaukee somewhat similarly as teams with a lot of size, good at protecting the paint. But there's just not many teams that can even like replicate that formula. You know, like if that is a formula to Great beat point. the Kings, who else can do that? And specifically in the West, like the Clippers, maybe, maybe depending Isn't on their crazy health. Crazy though, like you bring that up, and I think the biggest thing I'm looking at is well, I think Minnesota can replicate. I mean, they've got a lot eh, of length on that team. Eh. Yeah, but maybe I, they don't. They they scare me from that standpoint. And I mean, you've seen it. They played in some pretty pretty weird games with the Kings already. Uh, I don't like Minnesota. I think they're a, they're a overrated, if at all, team. And I don't think they're very smart. But they are long, and they they can give some problems. I, I see you there, but like when we're looking at, I think this is, is sort of the the next like discussion. Like, first of all, the Kings finished the last 10 games. They're all against Western Conference opponents, all of them. And six of them are against teams with losing records. One of one is, uh, I think, Dallas is 500, and one is the Warriors, who are a game over 500. So of their final 10 games, the only two that are, like, you would consider cream of the crop Western Conference opponents, uh, if, if you're the Kings and you're a three seed, is the Suns on Friday and then the the Nuggets last game of the season. So their um, like strength of schedule has shifted completely. Um, they have the 22, uh, 22nd most difficult strength of schedule from here on out. It's like a 484 win percentage against. They still have two games against like Portland that's kind of given up the ghost. They've got a game against the Spurs. Uh, you know, they have some opportunities here to, to actually finish strong. And even if you you rest some guys like and, and you don't play them as heavy minutes, you still can. I, I think you can win a bunch of games without like going all out. Um, but when I look at the Eastern Conference and particularly the the Celtics, the 76ers, who have been even better offensively than the Kings have been since the All Star break, and uh, and the Bucks, man, the East just feels so much better than the West. Like, does, I know we should fear them at like when you're looking at playoff matches and you're doing all this stuff, like, but is there one team that you're like, oh, that is just, 
at this point is such a ridiculously bad matchup for the Kings in the first round, the second round. You're like, eh, like they're kind of all, what's that? I was going to say, well, it depends on, it depends on how you feel about the Warriors, you know, because if the playoffs were to start today and let's say they finish, I mean, my goodness, it'd be a Warriors Kings playoff series. Sign me up for it. I'd love to see it. Um, But, you know, are you going to, I, I don't think that like teams are what they are at this point. Like, I don't think anyone's going to look at the Warriors and go, they're going to flip a switch, but how does playoff experience? Um, yeah. No, I, I get do, what you're saying. Right. Yeah. And, but and the, to be honest, that would frighten me. It would. And, but then again, I kind of like having a team. It, it's, it's kind of speaking out of both sides of my mouth because there is something to having a team that, doesn't know they're not supposed to be there the kings are supposed to be there based on the way they played that's not what i mean but having a team that doesn't have that experience is almost a benefit because there's a freedom that comes along with that you just hope that there's no pucker factor yeah that and like i would say like the kings this season they're one and one against denver they're two and two against memphis they're one and two against the suns they're three and one against the clippers that's the top five with them right like they've hung tough now we get to these other three beasts in the East, and what are they, 0-6? They're 0-6 against those teams, and all of those teams have a player that you just can't match up with. And I don't I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I do know what it is. Like those Joel top three have about two of them. Giannis Antetokounmpo, and yeah, well, and Jason Tatum are all three very, very good to outstanding great legends type stuff. Um, I, I think that like Tatum is probably more defensible than the other two. And you can probably find matchups, but he's really difficult and he gets a benefit of the doubt, like crazy. Like I, again, like I, that guy gets a lot of whistles. Um, uh, anyway, like I, I was just looking at, it, I'm like against the Western conference opponents that the Kings are going to face, they should never be worried about, Oh, like, man, well, if you get to the finals, you're going to get your ass kicked. It's like, okay, that, that's that should be perfectly fine with the Kings. It's good, like good problems to have. <laughs> that would be a, a great problem to have. Hey, look, we made it to the finals. Ain't got our ass kicked. Like, who cares, right? Uh, that that would be impressive. I'd be pretty surprised if the East doesn't win it, even if it was like Cleveland. I think Cleveland is really good. I don't think that Cleveland comes out of those four teams, but Cleveland has a huge size uh, advantage on a lot of different teams as well, specifically in the Western Conference. But to answer your question of like who's the toughest for the Kings. It kind of spoils one of my factor caps. One of them was the Phoenix Suns are the worst matchup for Sacramento in the postseason. Oh, and it's spoiler alert for me. It's a fact. And it's Kevin Durant. And who's the best answer for Devin Booker before it was Kessler Edwards. Are we sure that Kessler Edwards can play in the playoffs? No, I'm not Uh, even convinced he can play in the NBA. (laughs) Damn, John. I mean, it's it's a, he's had some nice moments, but I mean, this a few yeah. games does not make a basketball player, guys. So Agreed. it's uh, I'm not trying to be mean, but I'm just answering the K- question. Casey looked good at the beginning of the year, right? He was a starter. Yep. He well, started. Well, in the yeah, preseason. I, I think it like like to defend what Sean is saying here because I like he was brought in as a guy who they got money to take on. Like they got like a couple of million bucks to not only pay his salary, but to like some extra cash to take him on as a player. And that's not to disparage who he is. He's actually, I, I think he's played really well. I think defensively he's been really, really good, but like we have like 
if he started with his team at the beginning of the year and we had a sample size of 60 games, 70 games at this point with him being like a major player, then that that's one thing. But like, he's kind of like found money at this point. He's kind of like the, like you're pulling your laundry out of the dryer and like a, a 20 falls out. You're like, huh, found a 20. And then you realize that a 20 doesn't get you anywhere now, but like at least you found a 20. And so you have them for a These little bit of this. Analogies, man. These I don't analogies. know. You know what I'm saying, though, right? Like, I, I don't trust that he's going to play major minutes in the. Just like I don't trust that Terrence Davis is going to play major minutes. I, I think we're going to see like Malik Monk, Trey Lyles, and uh, Davion. and Davion Mitchell off the bench, and that's your eight and man. And it's depending upon how the series goes, right? Like your game one. Let's say you lose game one you could see something completely different totally. in an adjustment for game two, right? Yeah. So it's, but if you win game one, do you try to replicate? Like, do you, does the opposition throw something completely different? Like, you know, the way we use Boston as an example in this last game, the way they went small for a team that's just killing you with length, we're going to throw smaller guys at Demonis Sabonis. Um, someone like Jason Tatum, like it was funny, man. I had to go back and watch a few of those calls because Tatum is such a brilliant ISO player. He's Kevin Martin-esque in the way he can draw a foul, but he can shoot over you as well. Like, he draws the foul. Swing the arm, get somebody to touch you on the wrist, on the forearm. You got yourself a foul. Yeah, I mean, he's brilliant. He's brilliant at it. It's it's not quite James Harden because James Harden used a little bit more deception, but it's it's almost more straightforward. It's like, no, you got me. And and it's just it sucks because he's so big, you know. He's such a big dude that uh, – can can is so multi talented offensively that yeah there's not many teams that can that can stop there's probably nobody that can stop him. Where do you go to college? That's a Duke Blue Devil, buddy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> that has nothing to do with it. How dare you? <laughs> I still like uh, well, Brendan. Your point, like the we can't. Why don't we do the factor cap? Like, let's discuss that. The Phoenix Suns are the worst matchup for Sacramento in the postseason. In the Western Conference, obviously. Hmm. Fact or cap? One more time. The Phoenix Suns make sure I heard that right. are the worst matchup for Sacramento in the postseason. Fact hmm. or cap? Only the West. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna say that is cap. And you know why? They haven't been together long enough. Uh, they haven't played together long enough. Like. Yeah, you threw KD on that team. They're already a good team. They were they've had some some moments. I don't think they're a tremendously coached team by any means. Uh, uh, but really, I, yeah, I'm not the biggest Monty Williams fan. But I will say, um, uh, I I think I think I'd probably look at uh, Denver a little bit more closely. I think Memphis would be a little bit of a tougher matchup. Both of those teams. Then I'd rather see Phoenix than either one of those teams as it stands right now. Now. You know, if you get into a playoff series and you're seeing Phoenix in a second or dare I even say, you know, farther along than that, and you've seen them play ridiculously well together, certainly that that could change. But just because we haven't seen it yet, I fear Denver and Memphis a little bit more. When yeah, so I, I made this point the other day. I, I don't think it was here, though. Like, the way it's set up, you know, one plays eight, and then the second round is, is you know, one, whoever makes it, but, like, it, one would play four in the second round, right? So I think the fact that as of right now, and the Paul George injury, like, changes this a little bit because, like, if I'm looking at the Western Conference, the three teams I don't want to face are D- 
Denver, uh, the Suns, and the Clippers. Like those are the three teams that I would like elevate and say they. I think if there's going to be someone who represents the West, it's going to be them. Now that's not to take anything away from Memphis. Memphis is just freaking hot mess, right? That team can't like they have all kinds of trouble, and they still don't have like Stephen Adams back and Jaws coming back tonight. But, they, but like they still kind of win, and they're still super competitive and very physical. They are, but they also like they lost Brandon Clark. The Kings are two and two against them this they season. They just got John Morant back. They're getting John no, Morant back today. I, no, I know, I know. So, like I think that that's going to be a really good team. But my point was this: that right. if somehow the Kings are the the two or the three, which they're going to be either the two or the three, most likely the three because they're a game and a half back, but the two or the three, that means that if you somehow make it to the second round, you're going to play, you're going to play the Grizzlies. And of the the teams that are out there, I would prefer to play the Grizzlies over any one of Denver uh, Clippers or the Suns. And then the fact that you, when you, if you somehow get to the Western conference finals, like only one of those teams will be left. And I and I'm not saying that the Kings are going to get to the Western Conference Finals. I'm just saying that like the way that the playoff structure sets up, I think is more advantageous to the Kings because Memphis is not as experienced and they don't really know who they are and they've had all kinds of chaos and weirdness and like a, a rough weird season. Um, that doesn't mean that they can't that they won't just like run over the Kings. They could very well just run over the Kings in in a seven game series, but I think Kevin Durant on the Suns, if they're healthy, like it's very possible they just smoke you. Yeah, um, it very much could be. I, I just mean that just because we haven't seen it yet. I, I don't know that it can come together yeah. as quickly as they'd like. But I will say this. You mentioned the Clippers. And I think that's interesting, too, because obviously they're a team that's going to you know, stumble into the playoffs uh, with the Paul George thing. And I, I feel like I don't think I've seen them right for more than two weeks this season. Uh, which concerns I mean, the last me three had, seasons, it feels like. No, but I, I would say this season more so than ever, even if you knew going in that you weren't going to have Kawhi on second nights, or at least in the, the back-to-back scenarios, whether he's missing the, the first or the second game. But I feel like even when they've been about what you expect them to be, it still hasn't been impressive in terms of sustaining some level of success or dominance or you know what to expect from a night in night out basis. I mean, you know, Ty Lu, that I, I feel bad for him. I really do because he's such a brilliant in-game coach making adjustments. Um, and I don't think he, I think he walks into his locker room every day and goes, I don't know what we got. I have no idea what to expect from my team. And it just puts him, it puts that team on their heels more so uh, than not throughout the course of the season. Um, they scare yeah. me a little bit, but at this point, I, there's there's they don't scare me like they once did and they're two games out of 12 in the last call and, yeah and if paul george comes back i mean fortunately that was a sprained knee uh you know that's I'm wild, glad that it wasn't worse but how long does that take to get him right again i know it's paul george and he's a hell of a player but who knows yeah that that was uh freakishly scary like at um, least with memphis when memphis is you can take ja moran away they showed the ability last year and even this year when jaw's not there they still win they still you know can play their, their brand of basketball and still be a problem in the west and it took I don't a think long was, time for them to make the adjustment without steven adams though 100 percent, and that's what i was going to say i think this year was a lot yeah. different without having steven a force like steven adams there but with the strides that you know, Jaron Jackson Jr. has made 
Um, boy, I, I granted you want to see that with with Stephen Adams as well, but uh, I I they, that team still frightens me. I think they're a really good coach team. I think they're deep. I like some of the pieces they added. Um, could be fun. Hmm. Brendan, what what is your thoughts on it? Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any second round matchup where Sacramento is going to be favored, really. And I think there's a lot of first round matchups where they're probably not favored. And I think that's just the reality of lacking the postseason experience and the teams that you guys are going through, like Phoenix, L.A., you could throw Golden State in there as well, like have this just ridiculous amount of that postseason experience. They have players that have been there and done that. And I think that that can be intimidating. I also think that, I don't know, the Kings are good enough on any given night to come out on top. The offense is ridiculous. We've seen them be able to lock up in fourth quarters. And it's just like, okay, can you do that for longer? And the answer has been no. And I don't expect it to be yes, like to the extent that they do in in the fourth quarter for the entire game. But I don't know, man, like Kevin Durant and Devin Booker scare me. I heard an interesting point even on like, I think it was low post podcast. It's like they don't have any time to mesh, but that also means that no other teams have any time to prep for what that looks like, which is an interesting other side of it. Um, And I think that Kevin Durant is like probably the most plug and play superstar in the league. I think you saw that it was only three games. He got to play with them, but it was just like instantly it works. And I think that Devin Booker is a problem there. Denver is an interesting slump to me right now and that's based on their own standards but their games recently have felt somewhat similar to how Sacramento's been playing where it's all on offense and they've just taken a total slide down on the defensive end and there's nothing to point to like it's it's not like some injury that's making it happen or or some sort of unavailability so if you're getting into a shootout with the team then like I don't know i not going to favor Sacramento, of course, in that matchup, but like Phoenix is the one to me because specifically, obviously Kevin Durant. And I think he's shown a history of coming back from injuries and being pretty healthy, pretty quick and looking like himself without needing too much time. And Devin Booker also, you know, they start the game with Keegan Murray on Devin Booker. Don't love that matchup. And then end up going to Kessler Edwards, who we already kind of covered that. So there's not exactly a favorable matchup in here in my mind yeah i mean i'm i'm also going to point out the like play devil's advocate i don't think there are a lot of teams that like while they'll say like yeah we want the kings because they're inexperienced they don't want the kings that like like the kings have beat all of these teams they've run over most of these teams in the western conference so yeah it's different in in the postseason but like i like that the kings came out went what 11 and 2 to start after the post uh, all-star break uh, season here, like they've played really well. They're the team who's ramped up where a lot of other teams haven't. And so I'm intrigued by it. I like, I think it's going to be fun. It's going to be uh, a really like, again, Friday, we don't know if Deandre Ayton will play, but uh, it, that is probably going to be like the biggest game in Sacramento um, since probably, you know, the night, the, the league shut down. This is what right? we're doing. No, what? <laughs> this is what we're doing. This is going to be such a huge, huge game. No, it is because if you win this game, right, you you cement yourself as a two or a three seed. Yeah. 
Right. If you lo- lose that game, you open the door for Phoenix to come back and steal the three seed uh, in in the final ten games of the season. Like if you win that game, there's six games out in the no five games out in the loss column with nine games left. It's over. There's no way for them to catch up. But like for the Kings, let's for me, it's a big game. And, and like I was comparing it to the uh, the Pelicans game the night that the the league shut down, right? when we were sitting there waiting for the game to start and then all of a sudden the pandemic hit like that was going to be a, this tremendous like build up game like whoever won that game had a really good shot at coming away with like the 10th I mean the 8th seed um and you know the whole thing spun out so I hear you um I don't know that I'd agree but I'd love them to come out and 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 think that way you know it, yeah. it'd be great if they have that mindset um, but I, I don't know that it, it would fall under that category with, with due respect. I don't, it, I don't feel like it would be the same, but hmm. that's just the way I look at it. All right, Brendan, what else you got for fact? Yeah, Brendan, be the tiebreaker. Do you agree? Uh, I understand both of your guys' points. I refuse to be the tiebreaker. I refuse Jerk. to be the tiebreaker. <laughs> Jerk. He's wearing an upside down Giants hat. <laughs> <laughs> Not Sweden, the Swiss. Swiss, sorry. Swiss. Yeah, I, mean, I, I failed geography. Yeah, that's funny. That's a lie I didn't, by the way. Go ahead. Yeah. Brennan, what do you got? Factor cap. Factor cap. The Lakers would be favored over Sacramento in a round one matchup. That's cap. I'm going to go cap too. Really? And you know why? Here's the thing. I mean, are we even, we're not even, they're not even in the play in tournament right now. They're the half game out. I was going to kind of pose that question myself. Like, as much as I've, for the past few weeks, we've talked about how uh, it'd be the Warriors and the Lakers coming out of the postseason play in tournament. And the Lakers have kind of shown the ability to, you know, keep themselves outside of it. I know it's only a half game right now. Uh, they're kind of in sixth, right? As we, as we stand right now. But, I'm starting to doubt whether the Lakers will even get into the postseason playing tournament. Hmm. Um, yeah. I mean, who knows who's going to get into the postseason playing tournament? Like, there are so many teams that are still bunched up. Like what we talked about. Like the Clippers are two, two games in the loss column ahead of the 12th seed, and aren't they still the five seed right now? Like, it's so wild and like squished. Um, yeah, they're still the, so they're a game up on Golden State. Golden State's a half game up on the Thunder and the Mavs. Uh, those two teams are a half game up on the Timberwolves and the Jazz. Those two teams are a half game up on the Lakers and the Pelicans. Um, the one team that we know that is not going to be there most likely is the Portland Trailblazers, who have lost six in a row and said, They're hey, done. yeah, We're done. we're good. We're cashing out. Um, but I, I still, like, I think that that's one of the interesting things that the Kings have no idea who they're going to play in the first round if they're the the two seed. If they're the three seed, they'll have a couple of days to think about it. And I think that there is a little bit of an advantage to that, of being able to game prep and, and sit there and know who you've got on Saturday, you know, coming in. And it'll be at home. And so you'll you'll know for sure, like, what it is you're facing. I don't know. I think the Lakers would be favored. I think really? it's, I mean, what it if depends, not playing? then that's different. And that's what I was about to say. It depends on. And I guess that is still TBD. But if LeBron James is there, if Anthony Davis is there, I think that Jared Vanderbilt, like we talked about size and switchability, you roll out those three guys. 
And I guess I don't know what else after that. I don't know about D'Angelo Russell, but say Malik Beasley and like Austin Reeves or something and just two shooters. Right. And, or if you want to put D'Lo out there, like it, it worries me. And it really just comes down to it being LeBron and AD. I think that those two guys are right up there with the best players in the league when, when they're right. And that is a big if, but I think that any team could come out in that series. I would just expect the narrative to be that LA is, is favored. I think it's interesting because I mean, at this point they're 35 and 37, like they're not a 40 win team. I I don't think that they'll get to 500 on the season. And if they do, it's going to be like, they'll get to 500. I, I just don't know. Like they've had plenty of time where they were healthy and they weren't good. And that the whole entire roster is still like coming together and weirdly put together. I, I mean, I don't think it's going to be like if the Kings are in that series, I don't think they're they're winning in five, but I still would take them. I, okay. I could see anything happening in that series. Yeah. I would have no clue. I have what's your, one what's last your belief? One. Oh, Let me ask you both this. Give me a percentage. What's your belief that the, that the Lakers are in the play-in tournament? Like 80. 80? 50, I think 50. they're in there. 50-50 and... and even less than that, like, yeah, James, you probably agree. Probably 25, 30% that they make it through the plan. Cause even if they are in the plan, they're the 10 or they're the, the nine or the 10, which means they got to have two wins to get in. And one of those wins at this point looks like it's going to have to come against a team like Minnesota who might get healthy, but golden state or, uh, or Dallas, like there's some, some sketchy yeah i don't know and also game okay. and a half out of six like that's true far. kings are still <laughs> game and a half out of two over a month though i mean it's been they they climbed up for a little while yeah, there and then they, they had two tough losses recently the dallas and that houston one was a horrible loss right when they Terrible had momentum loss. going i wonder too okay you're in the postseason play playing tournament is lebron playing hmm in the plan? Well, Correct. I mean, if LeBron's Correct. playing, he's playing. I mean, I, I don't know if he's going to be healthy enough to to suit up. Like, we'll have to wait and see when he starts playing. Like, do we have any idea? Like, you saw the Zion thing, right? They're saying two weeks away for Zion. It sure does look like they're pulling he's the plug on their season. He's two weeks away from being two weeks away. Well, he's two weeks away from re-examination. He's not two weeks away from playing. Hmm. Yeah. All right, what do you got, Brennan? Fact or Last cap? one. I, on a little plug, on my last King's Pulse, went through and did my all-NBA teams with a buddy who covers the Celtics for an Eastern Conference perspective. And the question that I'm going to present to you guys is, will Damian Lillard make an all-NBA team? And before you call me crazy, I know that he is averaging a ridiculous 32 points, and that by itself might be enough of an argument, right? And he's had his however many big games but the 13 seed and probably going to stay in the 13 seed i initially came into it thinking dame should be a lock and started to question myself so i'm curious where you guys are at i don't think he's a lock for all nba however um i would expect him to be there Hmm. i'm gonna say no I don't think he'll make it. Um, I just like, 
it's not like they have a bad team. They've just played bad. You know, they lost Nurkic for sure, but like outside of that. Oh, he's back now, right? Yeah, Nurkic they, just got and back. They, and they suck. Yeah, I mean, that's just a bad team, like fully. They've and lost I don't straight. I don't know why they're so bad. Um, but you know, like they're a team that has Jeremy Grant, that has Amperty Simons, that you know, they they've got they've got talent. Like I like I'm confused, I guess. And like is there been more hollow points then? Like if I had to choose between him and Shea, I'm taking Shea. Yeah. And I don't think I mean, both of them make it. So write him out on paper. What do you got? I have, for guards, I went with yeah. Luka Doncic, Donovan Mitchell for my first team. Yep. Then I went with SGA, and I still did go Steph Curry. Okay. I know he's been out. By the way, I looked up the least amount of games played to make on a ballot last year was 55 for KD. He made second team. 56 for LeBron made third, and John Morant, 57, uh, made second team. So it's kind of the number that I was roughly going off of. Um, and then third team, I ended up going with James Harden, who is putting up a nice 20 and 10, leading the league in assists, and De'Aaron Fox. Devin Booker was right there. Damian Lillard was right there. But it's tough. It's tough. And that's still leaving out guys like, you know, Jaw, if he comes back, Trey Young, Jalen Brunson, like Kyrie Irving, and like I mentioned, Devin Booker, Dame Lillard. Like it is, there's a ridiculous amount of guards. There's going to be like five fan bases guaranteed to be pissed off. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like we've had this discussion whether Fox would make it or not. Um, I mean, I think he's got. I, uh, this sounds really weird, but I think he's got ten games to prove it. So, like, I know it's a it's a whole year award, but I think that this is a moment where if he's this good, if he's as good as he was coming out of the All Star break here to finish the season then he's got a really good shot. If not, I don't know. It's kind of a coin flip. Like, I, I don't believe that James Harden will be all NBA. But, but, I mean, he wasn't on, was he on the all-star team? No, I don't think he was. Yeah, so, I mean, it's a it's kind of the same people voting outside of the fans. I mean, the fans have a vote, but, uh, like, media stuff, like, I don't know. I don't know that Harden gets that acclaim. Uh, Trey Young, I think people are, are like over at this point. Yeah. I even think Atlanta might be over Trey Young at this point. Um, maybe I'm crazy there, but sort of seem like you lock up Bogdan and, you know, you got AJ Griffin coming up and you got DeJounte Murray. Like maybe you're going to look a different way. I don't know. Uh, it is a... tough to sit here and try to lay it out though. I was, yeah, it's not easy. I think, I think the more you try to talk yourself out of it, the more, you go, Dame Lillard will probably be there. Uh, I mean, it, it, it's just it's just tough. I mean, the, the the stats are there. I know the overall record isn't. Um, he's been really incredible this year. It was kind of the same thing I was saying around the All Star break, which was if you don't think he's an All Star, you're not watching Portland. I mean, you're not paying attention because he's been unbelievable. And it when you put up unbelievable numbers, you get rewarded. I don't care what your record looks like, and that's. You know, going back to the old discussion we used to have, James was like, "Demarcus Cousins is an All Star based off the numbers he's putting up, even if it happens to be on a shitty team. The numbers are incredible, and at that time he was th- among the best, if not the best, big man in the NBA. And 
you could say that about uh, Dame Lillard being in, at least in the top five guards in the NBA, uh, which is probably a conversation to be had. And if he falls in the top five, then he's likely an all-NBA player. Yeah, I don't know. I, it's going to be tough just because of the record. So And because, at, you know, Shea is there, who's who's got similar stats, but is on a better team. And it's yeah. not a, and, a hugely and they better team. And most people didn't think that OKC would even be in the position that they're in. So you yeah. have a, a difference maker there. Hmm. Okay. And you Darren's whole guess? argument just goes off. I mean, not his whole argument, but the thing that bolsters him into like the conversation in my mind is obviously just the clutch numbers, right? He's averaging the most points in the clutch. He's shooting 53% in the clutch. And I think to James's point, like, I don't know that in my mind, it's like keep up post all-star game performance when it comes to total point scoring, but have a couple more of those big clutch moments. And I think that could really help. And by the way, like Joel Embiid is doing a lot in the clutch as of late. It's like, I know that it's kind of felt so like De'Aaron's ward in my mind. Yeah, but there's there's other guys there. And I, you know what? The other thing I would say, too, is I feel much like I do around the All-Star game, which is uh, even though this isn't a coach's award, I, I think that a lot of people will feel that they have Sacramento represented in the All-NBA team with Demonis Sabonis, and that will take away the need or the desire to represent the Kings in the All-NBA team with De'Aaron Fox. Like, I think I get you, but I, uh, my counter would be this. They didn't give him an all-star bid and the Kings are still there. They're still the number three seed. Right. And so the Kings have shown that they weren't fluky, that they weren't like that. You weren't over-representing them at the all-star game. Um, No, and I, I, yeah, but that's not my point. Like I'm saying, I feel like they'll feel they'll have the Sacramento representation with Demonis Sabonis, who most would agree is the singular best player on the Kings. And, you know, I I feel like he hurts De'Aaron Fox when you start to talk about those type of achievements. And, you know, when you're looking at team success, like I feel like they're going to go, well, we're not going to have two Kings in there. Um you know what I'm I think saying? If, I think... Yeah, I get you. I would just say if the Kings were five, six, seven, eight, nine in in the West, that I would consider that to be like you can't have two of them. But when you're the third, what'll well, be interesting yeah. to see is does Ja Morant take a hit based off of recent? He's got <laughs> struggles. You, right? I think I mean... he will be left out. Well, and yeah. the thing is, all out? of this is subjective, mm-hmm. right? Like some people are going to agree with Sean here. Some people are going to be able. To agree with James when it comes to who's voting and that's what makes this so complicated right yep well yeah. and just know your history a little bit like yeah you know the 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 stars get rewarded man they they just do yeah no I I fully agree I fully agree um okay I don't think I I mean I guess we could do a business of basketball on um like did this did this uh Last couple of days, like change. You can't pose the question before you do the sounder. How dare you? Okay. Let's get to <laughs> the business of basketball. There you go. Um, did this weekend, the way that the last two games happened, did they change your your thoughts on the win total, on what you thought that this team would do? Um, or, like, do you think that, like, they're going to be just fine? A-OK. And, like, this is... Because, I mean, this thing could snowball quickly 
if uh, to like four games if if they get on a bad run here if they're not if if they're winded you know back to back here coming up but uh, yeah I don't know what what's your would you change your win total projection I think I said fifty one and I think did both of you guys say fifty I, I said fifty had... reluctantly <laughs> I went to forty nine more so but you talked me into fifty. I think it was the same. We might have done this twice. I think I initially said 49 and then jumped it up to 50. Right now, I feel good about 49. I feel like, you know, they'd, they'd have to go six and four in these final stretches. And Portland twice, San Antonio, give me one of Utah, Minnesota, or two of the Utah, Minnesota, New Orleans, Dallas, Golden State. Like, I think six and four is reasonable. And 50 is still within reach. I just don't know that I'm expecting it. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I don't to answer your question. I don't think these two games have done anything to make me change my win total. Um, I have said all along, like, look, forty-five. Not all along, but like over the past few weeks, it's like just get to forty-five. That like you keep the foot on the pedal, get to forty-five. Not to say you take it off, but get to forty-five, and then that should be your goal. And and it was an attainable goal. That should be something that. Uh, you have your eye on the prize for, and the closer you get to it, maybe there is a, a, a stumble along the way. We're clear, we've clearly seen them lose two straight. Get to 45, then have that conversation. Like, okay, how many can you win? If it takes you a week to get to 45, if it takes you a week to get another two two wins, that will definitely change the calculus. Yeah, we're running out of games. <laughs> uh, yeah, and since I asked a question, I, yeah, I think they, they can still win 50. I don't think they can win. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they can't win 51 or 52. Um, but I what still if they think... finish? What if they finish with 46? How do you feel about the team at that point? Four and six in the last? Mm. Right. I mean, that's like... And I don't think that will happen, by the way. I'm just wondering... What I'm trying to get a, a read on from people... I've asked a lot of people in private conversations, how much do you... Like if you, Brendan, you were talking about the way the Nuggets have stumbled of late. Like the Kings haven't done that since November. They haven't done that even since really take it beyond the three games, really since they started the season. If they have a moment like that, like how fragile is this? Is the belief in this team of of where they're wrapping up? You know what I mean? And if it happens weeks before you start a potential playoff series, no matter who it is against, um, how does that change your belief in the team and what they're doing? For me, if I'm being honest, it doesn't change really anything so long as they're healthy. I don't want to see them tail off completely and run out of gas here. Because that, to me, it would be counter to who they've been all season. But and that and would six, show me that they're, that, that they're running out of gas. Do you feel four and six would be a, tell, a, tail, a, a sign of that? Yeah, because they got that... six games against sub-500 teams. Right. Six. I mean, that's a lot. And then another one that's 500 and another one that's a game over 500. I mean, that's eight. That's you. You've got to find a way not to split that. You have to at least win five of those and, and then give a fight against, uh, you know, the, some of these, uh, well, against the, the other two teams you've got to face the Suns and the, and the nuggets last game of the season. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much. I mean, the way I wouldn't worry about four and six is if, like, say these last two games don't have that much meaning and they rest some guys, right? And then throw yeah, those different. out the window. 
but I do really think that like it's important for teams to to look at what form teams are in when they come into the postseason rather than the whole body of work like that it's not that that doesn't factor in but I think that you need to be playing or ideally you're playing your best basketball going into the postseason you're in a rhythm like if it's just defensive struggles whatever if they keep having like 20 point quarters which again I think these two nights are outliers right the Utah and Boston but if I see six more 20 point quarters in these next like 10 games or maybe that's too low of a number but if it starts to be offensive struggles, something that was different than what we've seen previously, then I would have concern. But I think already because I don't have super high expectations going into the postseason, it makes the question a little tricky. But I, I do think that it matters how you're playing going into the postseason. Man, look at me. I'm like Johnny Optimism of the group all of a sudden. That's <laughs> just your lower expectations. <laughs> <laughs> Brennan has no idea what that is. He has no idea what that is. I just so, smile and smile and wave. <laughs> yeah, you do. Smile and wave, boys. Smile and wave. I know that. Madagascar. One. I got that one. Penguins. Yeah, I thought I thought you would have seen that one. I have seen that one. Or well, you're not talking Madagascar. You're talking whatever you were saying. Madagascar. Hmm. Oh, okay. Madahuhar? Yeah. No, Ascar. <laughs> we gotta get uh, Brendan another. He's got to deliver on the uh, movie assignment at some point. I don't think I've ever told you when I watch a movie, the next one will be life. That has been the case since I've said that. I have not watched a movie since we have talked about life. That's incredible. How do you avoid watching a movie? Because I mean, I don't know. He stares at Jemias Ramsey all day, (laughs) staring at him in his room lovingly. And how has Jemias Ramsey done this season? It's a good question, Mister Ham. He had to look it up. Hey, did how were you able to contain your enthusiasm? When uh, Keon Ellis got in the game last night. Enthusiasms. Well, he didn't do much. The Utah no. game was maybe well, a little different. <laughs> he, he he got a up-close experience of what it was like to go up against Jason Tatum. And it, yeah. go, Jason Tatum ended up with an and-one dunk and uh, I think a, two dunks, actually. But Why um, was Jason Tatum in the game? I don't know. Sorry for that. That was my stupid phone. Uh, I don't know. I, I really don't. I... I, I think they were trying to get him to some 35 or stat. something. Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like I, I was like, why is he still, the Kings waved the white flag and then he put up another five points. Like, I mean, there was still, yeah, it was, it was like five forty seven. I think left in the game when Mike Brown emptied the bench. Yeah, was Mike he trying Brown's to get to 30? Cause he broke Larry Bird's record for the most 30 point games in a Celtic season. So maybe no, he, was he was below that. He was at 31 and then he kept going and got, 36 so he had gotcha. he had the and one to put him at 33 so maybe it was at 30 no 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 i messed up the stat at the end because i missed his last bucket because mm-hmm. i thought he was out of the game um okay so well let's wrap this thing up uh we've got uh for all of you out there who are still watching uh please give us a thumbs up if you don't mind um off the record with the king's beat virtual happy hour part 12 National Voice is tomorrow with Sam Amick from 5.30 to 7.30. That is Thursday, what is it, March 23rd, I think is the date. Uh, it's going to be a blast. You have to be a premium subscriber to the King's Beat in order to get the invitation, but you should be there. Uh, even if you just show up and go, I just want to check out the happy hour. It's only 7 bucks to sign up, and if you hate it, then don't, you know, whatever. 
but it's going to be a good show. Um, outside of that, uh, do you guys have any final thoughts? Stockton plays a game at Golden One Center tomorrow, and finding out Scalabissier, Labissier, wow, Labissier. help me, Labissier. I had it. I don't know why I second guessed myself. Scal- I'm overthinking after the but yeah, Labissier. You know, Labissier, 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 and Kenneth Fareed, by the way, going to be the on animal. the opposing side, which is interesting. But um, yeah, kind of looking forward to that. Going to be at Golden One all day. So That's know. interesting that they're on the same team. Could there be two more opposing, like, like different types of players, like overly aggressive and <laughs> and a guy who who isn't known to be super physical? Kenneth um, Fareed is averaging thirty minutes, by the way, and five offensive rebounds a game. Do you remember what his uh, nickname was? The man, Brendan. There you go. I didn't know if he was that old. <laughs> He's been yeah, how old is Kenneth Fareed now? And uh, I'm going to guess. 30, oh, okay. I was going to go bad. No, nope, that's did fine. He, I was going to go I, higher. I'm still confused how he ended up out of the league for all this time. We well, can't he shoot. got out of the league at like 27, though. 27, 28. He's undersized, yeah. I mean, he was I on Team USA. Like fours yeah. like him don't really exist anymore, right? And I don't know if he's big enough to play a five. Maybe oh no, he he's is. not big enough to play five. No, he's no. like six, 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 seven. Yeah. He's not that big of a dude. Um, hmm. Well, I hope I get to see Scal because Scal's my dude. Uh, I was gonna Same. go to Haiti with Scal. Uh, okay. Like I was not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna go to Haiti with Scal. He invited uh, me to go to Haiti with him on his first trip back after the earthquake. He hadn't been back since he was like fourteen. And he fired his agent right before he was supposed to go. And the NBA said, yeah, we're not going to send security for that because he has no point of contact. And so NBC said, nope, we ain't sending you. I'm like, all right. It's a no-fly country. Like a, like it's on the don't go there uh, like list from the U.S., like non-safe travel country. Um, okay, Sean, did you have any final thoughts? Uh, not really. I mean – I think I I would just say I think at Sac State um, their women's basketball coach who took them the program Mm -hmm. to the tournament for the first time ever uh, Mark Campbell who's done so many good things there is now off to TCU so within a year's time you have some really record-breaking things that Sac State Athletics is doing with their terrible facilities that need to be upgraded in a major major way and even though you're losing a coach like Troy Taylor like you did in football to Stanford and now Mark Campbell to TCU uh, these are huge things. These are this is this is a great, great thing for the program, and just man, these these guys have been able to do record-breaking things for the program in two sports now, and hopefully, just hopefully, they can get some of those facilities. They need an arena so bad. I mean, yeah. a thousand people to watch college basketball is just in, a joke. So, I'd like to see some of the some of the fruits of their labor kind of trickle over and hopefully they can get some deep pockets and some help along the way to, to get some facilities. But, you know, they've got a nice coach, uh, Andy Thompson taking over football. Uh, he's familiar, already within the program. We'll see what the women's basketball coach looks like, but good stuff for them. It is good stuff. It's hard when a team has success, you know, even we saw like, what is it, Fairleigh Dickinson pick up the win and then, 
uh, Rick Pitino jumps ship from Iona to go to St. John's and Fairleigh Dickinson guy jumps into Iona's job. That's kind of the way college basketball works. You like, there are these stepping stones. And if Sac State can start being on a stepping stone path, that'd be pretty cool. Because then they could get good coaches that are heading to bigger and better programs. Uh, Hopefully one of them sticks around long enough to help get those arenas built. That would be nice. Um, Okay. Uh, So I guess that's going to do it for this edition of the Kingsby Podcast. Um, I don't think I have any final thoughts. Uh, It's raining. That's about it. Going to take Miss Ham out to dinner. Uh, Hey, where are you going? uh, We were thinking about going to Josephine's, but you guys pushed us back a little bit because you both needed like evening. But not before yeah. I went on the radio, after I went on the radio. So um, they it's reservations only unless you can get there early and get at the bar. And so now I'm like, eh, I don't think we're going to be able to get a bar seat. So we have to get like the turnover. We might mm. be able to slide in there and get in. I, I don't know. So I think I'm going to see Scream 6 tonight. Oh. It's kind of on the, on the docket. Oh. So might be doing that. Well, maybe uh, Brendan are. should watch Life. How many is too many? Life. What, six of a uh, movie? God. Three was three. They, they shouldn't have gone past three, but uh, this one's getting some good reviews, man. At least it's not like Check Fast and Furious. I think like there's another one right? or whatever. I think there's already plans for another Scream. Probably. Yeah, probably. Um, Slasher right. films are fun. Uh, we will be back. Uh, today is Wednesday. We'll be back later in the week. Um, we might have to do another Sunday pod. I, I don't know because the Kings play on Friday and Saturday. Uh, and we like to like kind of break these things up into two uh, distinct podcasts, you know, like two segments of the week. Um, but we'll figure it out, and we'll get back to you guys on when we're going to have another podcast. Uh, Thursday, of course, is the happy hour. Uh, join us. It, it's going to be a blast. Uh, become a premium subscriber to The King's Beat. Uh, go to thekingsbeat.com, and you can upgrade there. I guess I do have a final thought. We just added comment section, so now you can go make comments on everything uh that's posted on the king's beat so that's really cool um but yeah all right that's gonna do it so for box 40 sean cunningham and brenda nudez from the king's pulse podcast i am james ham king's insider for espn 1320 the king's beat see you very soon wait stop stop oh there was one other question there was a question from a fan i told him i oh it popped Holy cow, it popped into my oh, head. Oh, you screwed up. I just we'll remembered. I just remembered. Brendan, click off. Go away. Click Let's off. Slam, <laughs> everyone leaves. Slam the laptop. One last question. Why is De'Aaron Fox uh, not in the running for most improved player? Or do you think he will be? Because Lori Marketed exists. Sean? Uh, there's just that's, that's a better the mic. candidates. Like, if I could pull this thing off and drop the mic, that's probably why. Sean? I don't know. <laughs> I, that would be my answer. I don't know. I, I think because um, it, he hasn't taken – while it's been a big jump forward, he's al- he was already a uh, upper echelon type player. So you don't really see somebody going from a mediocre or to a fringe or to a playing a certain role to all of a sudden becoming a more established role in this regard where he was already such a good player that the, that the, the, the leap forward he takes won't be comparable to somebody taking a major step forward uh, on a different team. 
Yeah, the statistical difference between who he is today and who he was two seasons ago really isn't that great. But the fact that the, the team is winning and all that stuff, you know, that's that's one thing. But, um, like, the leap he's taken forward isn't that big of a statistical leap. And so there is like 5% in, I think like field goal percentage and three point percentage both right now. And like that stands out, but it's like these other guys where it's Laurie Markkinen or like SGA or Jalen Brunson, right. like going admittedly from Tyrese 20, Halliburton yeah. too. Like, yeah, I, you're right. Going from 20 to 25 points is one thing, but that didn't happen this year. Or if you would have gone from 25 to 30, then maybe, but, and the last thing I'd point out too, is that he was already in the running for most improved player and he came in third. Um, he was one of the finalists, if you guys remember. And I think Pascal Siakam won it that year. Um, and Fox wasn't too happy about the whole, like, the way it played out. It wasn't? So, no, I don't think <laughs> so. That, that's not really an award people covet. I want to be the most improved player of the year. Yeah. You know that why? Trophy, it's like a trophy, man. I mean, at some point you weren't very good, and then all of a sudden you became good. So, all right, that's going to do it. I, I, no, uh, no breaking I, news coming in. No, uh, I remember Roy. Moment. That's it. That's it. I, I forgot that I I had promised him that we would discuss it uh, on the previous podcast. I forgot. It hit me right at the last second. What if uh, you just stopped I, listening when you started the outro? It's amazing. It's like, <laughs> then he missed this it. Goddamn James Ham forgot again. I'm never he asking forgot another again. Question. He'll shake his fist at me. You know what? Yeah, just come to the live show and or to the you know to the, the happy hour happy hour and you can get yeah. your question in there that's right that's all right hour. we'll see you guys tomorrow on the happy hour adios everyone is talking about magnesium it's all you hear about but why What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.